Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Good morning. As we continue this uh, series in transitions, looking at the book of Joshua, we can sometimes look at the life of Moses and Joshua as some kind of ancient history lesson. We can look at the way that God led the, uh, the Jewish nation out of their bondage in Egypt and into the wilderness and then cross the Jordan to take possession of the promised land. And it is those ancient books of the Bible are accurate historical accounts of God's dealing with his people. And yet it's much more than that. It's much more than that. It's an account of your life and my life. It's an encouragement of God for us, each one of us, to leave the bondage and the sin and the entanglement that we have and to move past into the hope and the future and the new life that God has for us. So perhaps right now uh, you're feeling that you're in this kind of wilderness area. Um, you're walking around. It might be COVID-induced. It might be something else that's happening in your world. And you're looking for hope and you're looking for certainty. You're looking for a way that God can lead you into new life with him. Well, I'd encourage you today, and I trust that today will be an enormous blessing for you. Over the last two weeks, uh, we've been encouraged to take hold of, of the God-given name that we have, our identity and our purpose in Jesus. We've been encouraged to step into those big shoes. And then last week we were encouraged about God, what God was going to do. If he had done this uh, great thing, miraculous thing in the life of Rahab, how much more might God want to do it in our lives? But it's one thing to talk about stepping into all God's given us. And, uh, and also to take hold of things with great expectation. And it's another completely for the rubber to hit the road, so to speak. Another completely for us to step into what God has and to cross the river. Because we know that when you step into a river, when you go to cross a river, there can be a lot of perilous things around. And we're going to look at one of uh, my favourite crossings in the whole of Australia um, in the Northern Territory, going from... Kakadu through to Arnhem Land. Let's look at it now. The influx of water at Kells Crossing has caused the river to reach dangerous levels. Communities in Arnhem Land are now cut off. It hasn't stopped some locals from trying to get through though. A car has been washed off and is precariously pinned on the rocks. Passengers have all been taken to safety, but as the current increases, the car is at risk of being swept away. The huge number of crocs in this stretch of river makes it a deadly place to park. The locals have no choice but to brave the river and try to salvage the vehicle themselves.
rope snaps under enormous pressure. As the driver tries to reconnect the rope, the current sweeps him off his feet. The crocs are getting interested. It's a close call. They decide to try from the other side. With each move, the car comes dangerously close to being swept downstream. It's no use. After hours of trying to free the vehicle, the water levels have risen and the presence of large crocs makes it too risky to continue. Luckily, the locals look after each other around here and a digger working nearby has come to lend a hand. is free and the people are safe but it's a harsh reminder of the dangers in braving the crossing one day the crocs may get lucky well i've been across that uh, that river that east alligator river from kakadu into arnhem land a couple of times now the first time that we did it was with a Polkinghorn family. They were in one car, we were in another. And the crossing across there into Owen Pelly, or otherwise known as Gunbalanya, in Arnhem Land was relatively smooth. The water was only, um, I suppose, 200 or 300 mils across the, across the crossing. But things change up there very quickly. And when we turned around to come back a couple of hours later, um, it was quite, quite a hairy crossing. That water level was very, very high. And uh, I look back now and I think, Lord, I thank you for your provision. Yes, river crossings are fraught with danger. But each and every day, you and I cross metaphorical rivers. We have to make decisions and some of those are easier than others. Some of those crossings, just like it was for us going in, going across was easy. Coming back was harder. You and I face different crossings each and every day. Perhaps today you were feeling anxious or you're feeling worried about something, a big obstacle that may be there for you and for your family. It could be a, a relationship in your family. It could be COVID-related. It could be health-related. Whatever it is, Joshua chapters 3 and 4 give us a great idea about a great model for us in moving forward and trusting God and stepping out with confidence. The first thing Joshua tells us to do is to prepare ourselves. That's what he went amongst the, the people. Uh, asking them to, to prepare themselves. And he said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. 
Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Yes, we can trust in God and we need to trust in God, but we still have a part to play. As that passage there tells us, we need to prepare ourselves and then we need to be willing to follow God. Be truly willing to follow so how do we prepare ourselves? Well, Joshua says, consecrate yourselves. In other words, sanctify yourselves. Make yourselves right with God. If there are things that you need to confess before God as a people, go and do it. Confess that. And then set yourself apart to be following God, to be truly saying, Lord, as I go to cross this river, Lord, I want to be truly following you. I want to be led by you. Take away from me all those, uh, those selfish thoughts about what I, the way I'm wanting you to bless me and truly help me to see you and to see the way you are leading and directing. I've been often challenged in my life. Is what I'm asking for simply God to bless the plans that I've made? Or do I truly say and believe and act out that I'm a God follower. And if God had a different plan for my life to one that I really wanted to live, am I willing to follow that? That's the way we consecrate ourselves. We set ourselves apart to follow God. If we're to enter what God has for us, we need to follow where God leads. No one in their right mind would uh, drive through that East Alligator Crossing or East Alligator River anywhere else than where the causeway is. It'd be certain death. Now go and uh, do a YouTube search on croc attacks at Carl's Crossing in the Northern Territory. You'll get an idea of what I mean. You wouldn't drive into that river in any other place but along that causeway when it's safe to do so. And God calls us to follow him. Follow him in all circumstances of life. It doesn't mean that the going's always going to be easy. But we know that God's got a plan, God's got a path that he's calling us to walk in. And that's our call. And then we need to step out in faith. We read on in Joshua. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap at a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. And so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Joshua knew where he was going. He'd been into the promised land before. He knew that it was described as a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it was a very, very rich land. But it's one thing for someone to go into a land on your own or to go as part of uh, the other 12 spies that were sent out by Moses. And it's a completely different thing to be leading a group of people numbering about a million to a million and a half people. Can you believe it? That's the number of people they, that is estimated that came out of the wilderness and crossed over the Jordan into the promised land. And so I want you to imagine that you're Joshua, um, for example, and, and you are heading out of Sydney, heading up north with about a quarter of the Sydney population in tow. So you're the leader of it. And you're heading up there to go up towards the Hawkesbury River. But there's no F1 
and there's no bridge at the Hawkesbury and you've got these people who are noted complainers and whingers uh, behind you. And so you get up to the Hawkesbury River. As I said, there's no bridge there. You look across and the river that is normally about 100 metres um, in, uh, when it's flowing normally is now in flood season about a mile long. Man, this is a big test of faith, isn't it? This is a big test of faith. Pretty high personal stakes here. What are you going to do? Have I really heard from God? Did God really tell me to do this? And yet Joshua had been given a word from God just that day before. And he said, today I am going to exalt you. I'm going to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they will know that I'm with you as I am with Moses. And then we get what Joshua was instructed to do. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan River, go and stand in it. So here you are, you're up at the Hawkesbury, our equivalent of the Jordan, and you're going to tell the people with you, go and stand in this river. Okay, and then you're waiting for a miracle. Joshua demonstrated an incredible amount of faith. That faith had come from a track record of seeing God deliver. This wasn't God, uh, Joshua's first journey with God. Joshua had seen what God had done as he had been Moses' aid over all those prior years. Joshua had seen God's track record in delivering. Uh, for those people who had obediently followed. So the question for you and I is, what is our faith based on? Is our faith based on what we have seen God do in the lives of others? Is our faith based on what we have seen God do in our own lives? And how can we strengthen that faith? How can we grow our faith? How can we be making decisions now and stepping out confidently, allowing God room? What do I mean by that? allowing us to move in a situation that we're only going to achieve its success when God intervenes and when God answers our prayer because we believe that's the way God has led us. I love the account of some faithful people down through the ages who have demonstrated a God room. The ability to go right to the very water's edge and then see God deliver. George Mueller is such a man. He ran the orphanages in England with very little money and no budget. And this is a picture of a man, if ever there was, putting his feet in the water. And here's an account that's up on the screen there. The house mother of the orphanage had informed George that the children are dressed and ready for school, but there's no food for them to eat. Didn't worry George too much. He said, we'll take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. And then George thanked God for the food and he waited. There was no food. Didn't stop George thanking God in faith, in advance, because God knew, uh, George knew that God would provide. And within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and I banked, baked three batches for you. I will bring them in. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was a milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some free milk. 
George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large cans of milk. It was just enough for 300 thirsty children. What an amazing account of a man, and this is not just one episode. There are writings about the way George Mueller saw God provide in faith each and every step of the way. See, faith is not belief without evidence. Faith is believing God in spite of appearances and obeying God in spite of the consequences. That's our call, is to be people who, who live in the knowledge that our obedience to God is going to see God provide for all we need. God wants to do great things in your life and great things in my life and great things in the life of our church, but it's not going to happen automatically. We need to be people who are willing to step out even before God provides, not waiting for God to provide so we can step out, but stepping out in faith and taking up all that God has for us. Yep, from a human point of view, there's a risk. From a human point of view, there's a risk that we could all be swept away or we could uh, be eaten up by the predators. But God will provide, and you never know. He might provide with a front-end loader from time to time. Then finally, we need to remember God's faithfulness. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I'm an activist. Um, that means I'm always doing something and I always love not just crossing off what's been done, but looking for the next thing, adding to the list of what needs to be done. But I'm getting better. Maybe I'm just getting older and a little bit more mellow. And I'm loving to look back and to be filled with so much gratefulness and thankfulness to God for his provision in so many ways. And here Joshua models what is important, and that is stopping to give thanks to God for God's faithfulness, to celebrate what God has done um, in his life and in the lives of the people that he led. And it's a lasting legacy that is then built, declaring the absolute faithfulness of God. And it's something that we need to be doing and to be speaking of and to celebrating often, particularly so we can leave this legacy for our children. What you're going to see on your screens now is a timeline of God's faithfulness to us here at Dural. From the days when it all began with a tent mission out at Kenthurst, uh, next to the Literary Institute out there um, in the Tenthurst, uh, Kenthurst Township, right the time through, way through to when this uh, property was uh, bought, the land was originally built, the activities centre was then uh, 
was then erected and then the manse after that was erected and then uh, into the centre stage one and then centre stage two. There were some great shots of us uh, dedicating the buildings and even standing around the, uh, the hole that was to be uh, centre stage two and just putting around that the tags of prayers that were prayed over this place that all who would come and use our facility would be blessed, that many would come to know Jesus because of our witness in this community. And it's a wonderful reminder to us of God's leading and God's provision as we have stepped out in faith. And we need to keep on going back and to revisit it. Why? Because that will continue to motivate us to step into the future and to keep taking hold of what God has in store for us. God hasn't finished with us yet as his people. There's more to do for us to proclaim the kingdom in this area and beyond. And we know that God is going to continue to grow us and to build us in the next exciting stage of the journey as Mitch and Rachel come to lead us in just two weeks, not long away now. But here's a suggestion for this time when we're locked down with family. And you can do it with extended family that are now moved away over Zoom. Why not make a timeline? A timeline of the way that God has blessed you. God has blessed your family. God has worked in a way where if you have been able to rejoice in his provision and then to be able to build that as a lasting legacy to share, not just with your children, but with your children's children. That'll be a wonderful thing for us to do together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we do look at uh, this account of Joshua, we want to thank you that it's so relevant to us today. People who need to be attuned to your call on our lives, hearing you, having the courage to step into what you have, and are people who constantly reflect on your goodness your grace, your mercy, your provision. Our oh Lord, you're a generous God and we thank you for the way you've blessed us here at Dural and we thank you in anticipation at what you will continue to do amongst us in the future. We are a blessed people. And Father, just as we pause today, we, we want to just reflect um, and, and pray for the Phil family as they mourn the loss of uh, Sal's dad. And Jeffrey, we thank you. He was a man that had a faith in you, a strong background of following you and of influencing others for you and for your kingdom. And we pray for Sally and indeed the wider family that you will continue to, to bless them and to help them as they, as they grieve and yet as they celebrate Jeffrey's presence with you. And Father, we too want to pray for the Webb family as Cam and Sue and uh, are down there in Melbourne and, and Jeff is back into in, in uh, hospital palliative care. Father, we ask that you would just um, yeah, provide for them. Um, Father, we pray for your will and your plan and purpose to be worked out in Jeff, who is another man who loves you. Lord, in all these things, we want to pray for um, matters COVID-related, um, increased numbers around our state. Father, we bring all these issues before you. We thank you that you are in control. And Father, we ask that you would stop that pandemic in its tracks and that, Father, you would um, 
with the take-up of vaccines, that, Father, we will see uh, those numbers drop. And for us, even as a church, be able to return to normal, where we can meet each other in the flesh, how we long for those days. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.